0: do you ever get things out of perspective i mean do you ever find yourself getting upset over something and then later on wondering why it bothered you so much Well, I think we've all had that experience in life. My name is John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and today on Peace by Believing, we're gonna be thinking about how we can keep life in perspective. The sermon we're gonna be listening to today is a sermon that I preached to our congregation one Sunday night, and it was a blessing to our people, and I'm praying that it will be a blessing to you today. Well, let me begin tonight with a question. In your opinion, is it better to be young or old? How many of you say it's better to be young? Would you raise your hand? All right. How many? That's, that's the older people that just raised. How many of you would say it's better to be old? I'm going to look in the student section tonight. All right. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting response to that question. It's about 60% saying that it's better to be young than it is to be old. You know, when we are young, all we want to do is grow up. And that's what everybody's asking us. What are you going to do when you grow up? And then after we have grown up, and then when we start getting older, we do everything we can to try to recapture our youth. I know of a pastor who was well up in his 70s, and he was a, he was a man who always preached about faith, trust God, God can do miracles, God can do mountains, and he had hair that was jet black. There was not a gray hair in his head, and after one of the services, a lady came up to him and said, Pastor... Your hair, you are, I don't know how old you are, but you're getting on up there, and your hair is beautiful. It is jet black. There's no gray hair. She said, Pastor, do you color your hair? And he said, yes, I do. And she said, well, I'm disappointed. I thought you were a man of faith. (laughs) And he said to her, ma'am, faith without works is dead. (laughs) And so he knew that he had to do his part. And you know, so sometimes as we get a little bit older, we work harder to get back to where we used to be. And we were, when we were there in the first place, we wanted to get old. And so it's a strange dynamic. So, but back to the question, is it better to be young or old? Well, from a physical perspective, I think it's better to be young. Because when we're young, we're we have more energy. There's less sickness. There are less physical problems. So physically, it's better to be uh, it's better to be young. Financially, I think it's better to be older because the old you know at you've worked, you have put some money away, and older people have money when younger people don't have any money. How about spiritually? Would you say that spiritually it's better to be young or old? Well, it's kind of a mixed bag if you think about it. A young Christian has a lot of zeal and passion and enthusiasm for God. And I remember when I first started preaching when I was 18 years of age, that's been over 28 years now, and I hope I have more passion now than I did then, but I'll tell you one thing. Back then, I had a lot of passion, and as an 18-year-old, and when we're that age, we're filled with gusto and passion and zeal for God, and it's a good thing. And so we could say, well, spiritually, it might be better to be a young Christian because you have that zeal, and yet an older Christian has something that a younger Christian doesn't have. An older Christian has perspective on life. Perspective. Think about this. If you have been saved for 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years, you've been walking with God for a long time, and you have walked with God through a lot of stuff in life. And so as you've gone through those things with God, your confidence has grown, your faith in God has grown, and probably if you're 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 years of age, not many things rattle you anymore because you have history with God. Whereas a young Christian who has the passion for God but never has been through anything Well, they don't have any perspective, and so sometimes when we're young or even when we're maybe middle-aged, we can be rattled and we can be shaken because we're going through something that we have never been through before. I heard a pastor say this one time, and it never has left my memory. He said, an old person has been young, but a young person has never been old. And so an old person has a perspective on life that a young person doesn't have. And so if you were asking me, when you factor all of those things into the equation and come back to the original question, is it better to be young or old? I would say it is better to be old because you have that perspective Own life. Now, having said that, let me say this. Just because you are an older Christian, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a mature Christian. Old age doesn't equal spiritual maturity. And just because you are a younger Christian, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are spiritually immature. Youth Doesn't equal immaturity, not at all You can be old and immature You can be young and spiritually mature Because God has devised a way For us to have spiritual maturity And for us to have perspective on life Whether we're young or whether we are old The fact though, most of us have life All out of perspective And I, a couple of weeks ago Took three days vacation and just, I stayed home. Didn't go anywhere. And I had more time to read, more time to think, more time to pray. And on about the first or second day of that little excursion, I, that, that little, th- those days off, I was on the back porch praying one day, and I just felt like God spoke to me and said, if you would change your perspective on certain things, you could be a more laid-back person. Now, in a lot of ways, I am laid-back, but in a lot of ways, I'm wound up way too tight. <laughs> and I just felt like God said, John, if you would just make a few minor adjustments on how you view things, you could be much more relaxed and much more laid back and it all centers around this whole idea of our perspective on life sometimes in life we're living our lives and we come up against something and we look at this thing we're up against or going through and we say man this is a big problem and from our perspective it is a big problem But if we could just in our spirit and in our heart rise higher and grow closer to God and see that skyscraper problem from God's perspective, we would say, man, from up here, that's really no big deal. But the fact is, the more you focus on a problem or a person or a difficulty or a challenge or something in your life that you don't like, the more you focus on that, the bigger it becomes. A couple of years ago, I was talking to my optometrist, and I said to him, I said, I don't know what's happening to me. I said, but I used to could read for two or three hours and never even look up, and when I looked up, everything was clear. I said, now I read for 15 or 20 or 30 minutes, and I look up, and everything is blurry. I said, what's wrong with me? He said, your eyes are getting older. Now that man's about 25 years older than me telling me that my eyes were getting older. But it's true. If I go home tonight and take my Bible or some other book, and for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, I sit there, and all I do is look at the words on these pages when I look off into the distance... Everything is a little bit blurry for about five or 10 minutes and then it clears up. And that's the point I'm trying to make tonight. When we focus on something right that is in front of us, that thing becomes bigger and bigger and more dominating and everything in life, the big picture of life, the grand scheme of life, life from God's perspective is fuzzy and it is blurry and it is unclear to us. And so as I was on my back porch, and this is the truth that I wanna try to make tonight, the, 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 the one thing, the one truth, and the one lesson that I want to get across in this message tonight is simply this, and you can write it down in your in your bulletin. Compared to salvation and eternal life, nothing is a big deal. Now I want to say that again. Compared to salvation and eternal life, nothing. Is a big deal. Now let's see if we can say that together. Compared to salvation and eternal life, nothing is a big deal. Now I'm curious. Now you've just seen that, you've written it down, you've heard me say it twice, we've said it together once. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. See, we believe it. But tomorrow morning when you go into the garage to get in your car and go to work and you have a flat tire, it's a big deal. Now, I'm not saying that nothing matters, life. I think some people have the idea that nothing matters, nothing matters, and if you ever go in their house and look in their sink, you'll see that, I mean, they don't think anything matters. Well, I'm the opposite, I think everything matters, but I'm trying to get to a place where I say things matter, but compared to salvation, compared to eternal life, it's really not a big deal. And so what we do a lot of times in life, we get upset over things that are not a big deal. Now that said, open your Bibles tonight to Matthew chapter 10. I want us to look at one verse that makes that point very, very clear. Compared to salvation, compared to eternal life, nothing in life is a big deal. And we should learn to take these things in stride and see it as God sees it. Because the scripture says God sits up high and looks down low. Now the problem is we sit down low and look down low. But we need to be able to sit up high spiritually from God's perspective and look at life as He sees life and we can say, hey, compared to eternal life, this is just no big deal. Now look in Matthew chapter 10 verse 28. Jesus is speaking on this subject and look what Jesus said. It is a very interesting statement. He said, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So Jesus is saying to these early disciples, it applies to us. It applied sure enough to them because their lives were on the line for their faith in Christ. It applies to us today, probably in a slightly different way. But Jesus says to his disciples, don't be afraid of those who have the authority, who have the power, who have the ability to kill you for being my follower. Don't fear them. But instead, fear God, who has the ability to destroy not just the body, but has the ability to destroy one's soul in hell. So what what Jesus is saying is, now think about this. Compared to salvation and eternal life, your life doesn't even matter. Your life doesn't even matter. I've been reading lately in some church history, and I was reading a few days ago about a man named Justin. Justin lived in the second century, or he had grown up in a pagan home with... parents who did not believe in Christ, and uh, later in life, he he was actually saved and gave his life to the Lord and began to follow God, and yet because of his faith in Christ, he was living in Rome at this time, born in Israel, moved to Rome, and he began to be persecuted for his faith, and Christians were there being killed for their faith in Christ, and Justin, one day who became a great writer in the second century, a great Christian writer, he wrote these words. He said, there are some who can kill us, but they can do us no real harm. They can kill us, but they can do us no real harm. And Justin ended up being beheaded for his faith, and he got the nickname Justin Martyr because he was martyred for his faith in Christ. Now think about that. Compared to salvation and eternal life, Your life doesn't even matter. Now, you would have expected in this verse, Jesus would have said something to the effect, uh, hey, remember, God is the one who has the power to send people to hell if they don't get saved. That's who you should be afraid of. But so in light of that, don't worry about food, Don't worry about clothing. And he had said this four chapters earlier in Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry about what you will eat. Don't worry about what you will wear. In other places, don't worry about how much money you have. In other places, don't worry about what people think about you. But in this passage, Jesus just bypasses and skyrockets past all that. And he says, in light of eternal life, it's not just that other people's opinions of you don't matter. It's not just that how much money you have in the bank doesn't matter. It's not just that this person is rude. It's not just that they're being rude to you, that that doesn't matter. Jesus said, I'll tell you what doesn't matter compared to eternal life. Physical life doesn't matter. How many of you, to illustrate the truth of this, it's true because Jesus said it, but it's true in our own experience. How many of you have ever had surgery of any kind in your life? Would you raise your hand? That's 95% of the people here tonight. Let me ask you a question. I've had four surgeries in my life. How many of you would say that on the day before your surgery, you were nervous? Raise your hand. And the rest of you, we have a lying congregation. (laughs) Well, maybe you weren't. Maybe you weren't nervous the day before your surgery. My experience, because I don't even know how nervous I have been on the days before mine, but I've, I've, I've been some nervous, but I'll tell you this. Every surgery that I've had, on the day of my surgery, when I went to the hospital and got checked in and they do what they do, I can honestly say I wasn't nervous at all. And the reason for that is because, my, because God gave me peace. But the reason he gave me peace is because I knew in my heart that I was saved and I played it out in my mind and I thought the worst thing that can happen to me is that I would die on the operating table. And if I die on the operating table, I'm going to go to heaven and be with God. So the reason I had peace going to surgery was because I knew live or die, I'm with God. So what, the point, i want to stay with that because follow that logic. So how many of you who've had surgery, you felt the same thing, right? Say amen. You had the same thoughts. That's what gave you peace. Think about it. What were we really saying the day of surgery or the day before surgery? What we were saying was, you know what? I want to live. I pray I live. I don't want to die. But even if I die... It's not that big a deal, why? Because compared to salvation and eternal life, nothing is a big deal. Not even our life is a big deal. And the irony of all this is, we can go through experiences like that where we're saying to ourselves, you know what, it doesn't even matter if I live or die, and yet we come through that experience by the grace of God, and in time we resume and return back to, quote, real life, and we get back in real life, and somebody's rude to us, or somebody is dismissive towards us, or somebody talks behind our back, or somebody tries to ruin our name, and says all kinds of things that aren't even true about us, and in our hearts we get all. upset about that now think about that a few weeks earlier we were over here saying it doesn't even matter if I live or die my life doesn't even matter and now after that experience has passed we're back over here saying oh I can't believe that they would have done this or we're worried about the finances or we're worried about so so it doesn't make sense at the day of surgery we're not even worried if we live or die but we get back to reality and we're upset about all these things in our life. Now, in your bulletin tonight, I want you to see the next little thing because this is, this is, what I'm, this is what, the truth I'm trying to teach tonight. And I wish you would jot this down. The four life-changing words... And if you could get these words, not only in your mind and in your vocabulary, but if this could become part of our attitude and part of our life, we would be more laid back. We would be more peaceful. Life would be better. People would enjoy being around us more. Everything would be better. Here are the four life-changing words. Write this down. It's no big deal. It's not. That thing that you came in here tonight worrying about, I'm telling you, it's no big deal. It's not a big deal. And if you were having open heart surgery in the morning, you wouldn't even be thinking about that. You would be thinking, live or die, it doesn't even matter. My life doesn't even matter. But since you're not having that in the morning, you came in here tonight, many probably, and they got something on them, and I'm here to tell you tonight, it's no big deal. And that's the lesson that God is wanting to get to us, is an attitude not that is flippant or nonchalant or sloppy with life that says, well, nothing matters. It doesn't matter how I look. It doesn't matter anything. No, it does matter. But in the grand scheme of things, it's no big deal. Now, here's the question. How does God go about teaching us that it's no big deal? How does God go about doing that? Just write these three little things down tonight in your book. First of all, God teaches us that through the Bible. The Bible teaches. Jesus said it in this verse tonight. Don't fear the one who can kill your body. Fear the one who can destroy your soul in hell. We read in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, set your mind on things above. Say that with me. Set your mind on things above. Paul said, not on things on the earth. Don't focus on the thing that right is in front of you. No, rise higher. Look at it from God's perspective. And so all through the Bible, we find out these things don't matter. I'll tell you another way we find we we learn that, that things are just no big deal in the grand scheme of things, not only from the Bible, but from the experiences of other people. The experiences of other people, we learn. We should learn, we should learn to learn from the experiences of others. I think about King Solomon, other than Jesus, the wisest man who ever lived. Now, think about this. That means Solomon was a lot smarter than any of us. And Solomon said in his life, that in the, when he was young, he had it all mixed up and turned around. And he thought that if he could experience certain things in life, that those things would bring him happiness. He thought if he could have enough money, and boy, did he have the money. He thought if he could have enough relationships, and boy, did he have the women. 700 wives. 300 girlfriends I don't know how you still had the money a thousand women and Solomon said looking back on that the women didn't bring me satisfaction and he said on these great building projects Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem and yet when he finished all of it as beautiful as it was and as wonderful as it was it left him empty Solomon said, I know, maybe if he was the king of Israel, so he had achieved political status, he had done all these things. And Solomon says, at the end of, the, as he got old, and this is what I'm saying, if we can learn while we're younger what the wisest man on the earth history learned when he got old, he said, I found that all of that was vanity of vanities. You know what the word vanity means, literally? It means nothing So Solomon said, here's what I thought. I thought if I had all the money, I got the money. I thought if I had the women in the relationships, I thought if I had uh, pleasure, he had every imaginable thing. He said, I thought if I had these things, my life would have meaning and my life would have purpose, and then I would be happy. He said, but I'll tell you what I discovered. I discovered vanity of vanity. Literally, I discovered not only nothing, I discovered the nothing part of nothing. Nothing of nothing, And then we learn it from our own experience. You know, sometimes we just have to go through some things to gain a perspective. Sometimes we just have to have a problem in order to get a clear perspective, a perspective of life. There's something purifying about problems in life. They help us to put things in a proper perspective. And we go through things and we say, you know what? Those things that used to upset me. And I, those things that I used to think were a big deal, they're really no big deal. And I think until we get to heaven, we're still going to... I don't think we're ever going to reach a place in our... And, and if, if, if we do, I have not reached this yet. I don't think we're going to reach a place in our Christian life on earth where we, where we just get to a place where we say, you know what? I've learned it all. I've got it figured out. I'm fully mature. Nothing rattles me. And I always have life in proper perspective. Now, if any of you have that together, you are the designated preacher next Sunday night. And I'm going to sit on the front row and take notes of your... We are still works in progress. Well, it's true. We're still works in progress. God is still working on us making us into the people He wants us to be. And one of the things God is doing is He is helping us to see life from His perspective so that we can see things so much more clearly. And so if you'll just take those four words that we ended the sermon with today and memorize those words and get those words into your vocabulary. You remember what the words are? It's no big deal. Just wherever you are right now, just say that in your car at home. It's no big deal. Tomorrow when you go to work and a co-worker does something or maybe your supervisor sends you an email and it just rubs you the wrong way and you're just tempted to get upset and let it ruin your day. You have to say those four words. It's no big deal. And if you'll get those words in your vocabulary, I'm telling you, it's going to help you to see life more clearly from a much better perspective perspective. The fact is, compared to salvation and eternal life, nothing is a big deal. Because once we think about our eternity and where we'll be forever, And then we think, now wait a second, I'm getting upset about this that just happened at home or this that just happened with a friend or this that just happened at work. It's really no big deal. The only thing that's really a big deal is our souls and if we're ready to meet Jesus Christ. And so today, if you've never invited Jesus to come into your heart, I encourage you to do that. Uh, That is a big deal. That's the big deal. And if you would get that settled, your life will be changed uh, for now and forever. Hope the program has been a blessing to you today. And I hope you'll join us again next time on Peace by Believing.